Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening and making us the best in Baltimore. It's truly appreciated. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with the co-founder of Cadju Creamery, a Black-owned, mission-driven business and maker of plant-based ice cream. Please welcome Nicole Foster. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I mean, we got to class up the place or what have you. Have like some, you know, this new businesses that are doing like big things and, you know, newly in that kind of like brick and mortar situation in the uh, Howard Street in that Bromo Seltzer area. So shout out to you. Shout out to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. You can find us at 411 North Howard Street. Absolutely. It's all about shameless plugs here, especially when it's super hot as we uh, like I'm sitting here spitzing right now, sweating. But um, I want to again, thank you for coming on to the podcast. And for starters, I want to um, open up with a question about like, so what's the story behind the business? And, you know, ultimately, the path that got you to where you're at in the current state of the business. Okay, so. I am a an attorney, a civil, I used to be a criminal defense attorney. And prior to that, I was in public health. So I spent many years, um, almost a decade in domestic and uh, global, domestic and international public health. So um, doing maternal and child health, um, HIV and AIDS, tuberculosis, all that type of work in Latin America and West Africa, and then in domestically uh, around issues like adolescent reproductive health and anyway, related to public health. So that was a love. I went to law school. I wanted to do international health policy when I went to law school. And somebody was like, you know what? You should apply for, you should um, try out for the trial team. And I did. And uh, they had one of the best trial teams in the country And I just fell in love with trial. You know, it just suited my nature of being really kind of argumentative and (laughs) uh, poking holes in your story. And so long story short, I ended up as a criminal, uh, as a prosecutor, then a criminal defense attorney in Miami. And all that to say, um, I ended up meeting my partner. We ended up having children together. Um, When we had children, we had a child who was born um, early, like four months early. We're giving him dairy. Well, before that, it's uh, at, at one point in time, I was a raw vegan. And it made me feel so superwoman, like so what, like superwoman is not a thing. Wonder Woman, you can tell I'm not really a comic book fan. But Wonder Woman, <laughs> <laughs> it made me feel so Wonder Woman-esque that I was like, this is something that people need to know about. Like this, this diet, this lifestyle. Um, I lost weight. I was radiant. I was like clear headed and focused. As a matter of fact, I could sit and study at the time. I I could sit and study for the bar for like 10 hours at a time. Couldn't do that in law school because I wasn't raw vegan then. Right. Right. So um, it changed my life. And so I really started thinking about dietary lifestyle. And when we had children, uh, we realized that the one child who was born early uh, was allergic to dairy. It would make him sick and all this stuff. All these kind of things happened at the same time. I went back, got a raw food, a raw food, a raw vegan chef certification so I could be a raw vegan chef and cook my own food for my own kids. And um, I started playing around. My my partner and I started playing around with um, making 
because both kids were lactose intolerant. And I just couldn't envision a life with no ice cream because I <laughs> love ice cream. And so we just started, and we looked on the market. We looked for things that, you know, would suffice. Um, but everything we found that was dairy free had artificial taste or textures or ingredients. And so we just said, we started playing around with our own stuff at home. And I mean, literally out of stuff we had in the pantry, like nuts, <laughs> like almonds, cashews. And we came up with some ice cream that was banging. <laughs> and our kids liked it. Um, and then we started giving it to friends and family. And soon they were like, you want to come to the party? You don't have to come. Just bring the ice cream. <laughs> we were just like, damn, okay. So when we moved up this way, we did a little bit of research and we realized that 75% of the world's population is global is uh, lactose intolerant. Hmm. And we said, this is it. We could, we could make a whole, we, we both are foodies. We're both into food. We're both into public health. We're both um, love traveling and, and, and having international food. So we kind of just took, it was like the confluence of all of our passions, public health, um, you know, everything. And as we, as we get a little bit into it, I'll tell you what the mission is and you'll see how that's related to the past. So it's just what I felt like doing. You know, I worked yeah. for other people for years and I was like, nope, I, this is what I could do. And it's everything I've always wanted to do. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for walking us through that and, um, and sharing that. Cause I think, Sometimes it's like out of necessity, you hear about people who's like, yeah, I'm going to start this business because I went to Texas. Well, not Texas, that's a terrible example. I went to uh, <laughs> Virginia and they had terrible tacos. So I decided to make my own tacos for sake of argument or it was something right. that was missing. So when it's like something that you want or you have like different restrictions or your family has different restrictions, you're like, I'm not really going to give that up, but let's let's pivot on it. Let's Let's figure out a way to use that ingenuity that we have and make our own. Right, right. So reimagining ice cream as a healthy, guilt-free food or what have you. And that's, you know, that's that's not a thing that, you know, people do all the time. It's like you hear it, you hear it marketed, but your stuff is great. You know, that's that's, the, that's, that's what I'm getting from. Your stuff is great. So tell me about, you know, some of those other early reactions. Because um, I heard the one that you said of, so you yeah, invited, but just make sure you bring in that ice cream. You know, that's the, so <laughs> what were some of those like early on reactions? And, and when you first like pitched it, when you first got to a point of, you know, going into business, this is what, you know, we want to do. This is what this line of business is going to look like. What was, what were those early reactions like? And then how did that shift when someone like tasted it? Um, definitely suspect you have, what, how do you make uh, milk out of, <laughs> you know, out of a nut? What are you talking about? Uh, especially when we moved up here, you know, our friends who knew us, knew my lifestyle, you know, they, they understood the genesis of this ice cream, um, that we just had as a, as a, as a fun thing that we did in our family. But, um, when we started going to farmer's markets and things, and we were like in the USDA farmer's market. Yeah. farmers markets where people allegedly go and have buying choices because they care about their bodies they were like no what are you talking about you cannot have ice cream made from a nut no what do you mean it has no dairy or they'd come up and you'd be like it's dairy free ice cream or vegan ice cream they'd be like yuck uh you know one lady said hilariously she goes i can you taste the vegan in it and i <laughs> we all died <laughs> That's, that's funny. Is it made out of vegans? You know, <laughs> we turn to vegans fully. It's, it's great. <laughs> we try to get them really silky and creamy. You can't really taste them. But um, so, so that was the initial reaction. It was like people really weren't ready. They weren't really doing cashew milk at that time. They weren't really doing cashew milk ice cream. So we just were 
you know, gung ho about we're making vegan ice cream. And people are like, oh, that's um, okay. Uh, and then when they taste it, they're like, oh, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Wait a minute. Some people, like, to, to this day, I can't tell you, we've had several handfuls of people cry <laughs> when they tasted the ice cream because they haven't had ice cream in so long yeah. because dairy just doesn't love them back. And it's just not worth suffering through the effects of dairy. Um, and so they're like, oh my God, I can eat this. It actually tastes good. It tastes better than ice cream, you know? So now um, we've got, we've converted, we've done a many, 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 many cashew conversions. They've, <laughs> they've been very positive and successful. But yeah, in the beginning it was, it was rough. Yeah. But it's better now. Sometimes it's a, it's a hard pitch. Um, I remember I had this brief period where like I, I enjoy cereal, which... You know, and I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I was like, dairy isn't particularly great. I don't I don't have some of the issues, but also it's just a higher amount of fat in there and all of that stuff. And um, I was like, all right, let me try almond milk for a bit. And I was like, that's not working. That's, that's not quite there. And but just trying to do that pitch, because, you know, with something like ice cream, it's it's fatty, sugary goodness. And for right. what people generally think of. So pitching something as a, a healthy equivalent is like a road to go over. And then once people like dig it, it's like, oh, we got you. You're here. You're 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 team Kaji. <laughs> you're team Kaji. Oh, yeah. Once once they taste it, they're converts. I, I don't think I've ever had anybody who has tasted it and been like, eh, it's all right. Um, and once you taste it, it's, it's your soul. Because we use 100, it's made from scratch. My partner, Dwight Campbell, is our executive chef. He makes it all by hand. And we've worked on this recipe so that, you know, at first when we made it, it was really kind of rich. But we can't, you know, we can't scale that level of richness. So we've made it so that it's still absolutely amazing, still creamy, still 100% made out of plants still made with absolutely no artificial ingredients and still made from scratch. Um, and when people taste it, they go bananas because it is so, you can literally taste like the, um, one of the senators, Maryland Senator was in our store yesterday and he's like, you can taste every ingredient. And I was like, yeah, because they're real. Like we don't use banana flavoring. We actually buy bananas. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right? one of the things. And, yeah. It's a really important point. I mean, that is the public health piece. You know, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it with real food. That is our joy. That's what cashew represents because we're both from West, the West Indies. Our people, um, we're not with this. We're not the type. We're not West Indies people. are not the type of people who are opening packages. And, you know, we make everything from scratch. Yeah. Everything. Every single meal. We joke about it all the time. because Every single meal starts with the same ingredients. We need fresh garlic. We need uh, onions, tomatoes, shallot, you know, scallions, um, all types of things. And but we can do it all from scratch. We're not like when we go cook at our friends' homes and we're like, okay, give me the garlic. And then they'll give us a jar. And we're like, what is this? We, we need garlic. And then they laugh, you know, but that's a, that's a West Indian household. And um, so we have brought that love of real food into this ice cream. And we're, we're giving you 100% real food. And, it's really a testament. Number one, you should, a testament to our love of real food, but you should be able to say to yourself, hey, my other favorite X, is this real food? Is this benefiting my body? Mm -hmm. Right? Your other favorite ice cream, have they made this from scratch? What's in this? Yeah. It's, it's, it's for people to start, and, and we use this as an opportunity to help people to think critically about what they're putting in their bodies. 
that's the public health piece. That's the mission. That's another one of our missions. Yeah. I think being able to recognize is I, I might be floating around the public health zone um, as I was telling you off Mike before we got started <laughs> and um, yeah like being able to identify what is going into your body being able to name and pronounce and you know you can pronounce them poorly but name and pronounce what you're consuming right. so I think when you're able to get back to something you know and I, and I like the way that you describe the the kind of base ingredients with everything that you're cooking I was just hearing anti-inflammatory anti-inflammatory you know, yes, real things that exactly. are good for you. And mm-hmm. I think another thing that's happened, a byproduct of not using real food, we get tricked into this notion of convenience. You know, yeah. like people don't even know what a, what garlic looks like. You know, they think it's just minced right. garlic or let alone know how to cut it. You know what I mean? Right. And right. that just comes from convenience and having all of these pre-made like meals and stuff that you, you're not sure how it's made. Or what amount of real food is actually in it. So right, right. It's, it's great that you all are, are, are working on that and making that a part of the mission. So if you will, could you tell us like, you know, break down the rest of that mission for us? Cause you said that's part of, so I want to hear the, the full thing. Well, um, because we believe that uh, the uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're a hundred percent right that we've been tricked, right? We were black people were had an agrarian society at least some, you know, especially here in this country, it's been somewhat agrarian. And if they haven't destroyed it or burned it down, they've now put these things like this can be convenience factors in our community. And now people, I have a friend who runs a, um, an urban farm and he's like, sometimes I can't give the produce away. I can't give it away mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't compete with chicken boxes or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, and so he was like, we should be teaching people how to make plants. I was like, teach we've made plant-based like we know plant-based but like this is our like this is our thing we understand how to make something out of nothing and we can certainly make plant-based foods because this is um there are many uh african civilizations that are just 100 percent plant-based right so we know this um and so anyway another part of the mission is we are interested in transit. We're transitioning to a worker owned cooperative. And because I was a criminal defense attorney and have worked with populations of people with priors who have touched, been, been touched by the criminal justice system mm-hmm. or the criminal injustice system, um, they, they, when they re enter society, it's very difficult to find a job, keep a job, um, and kind of thrive in this society. And so, one of the things that we'd like to do is um, higher returning citizens, higher formerly incarcerated. So that's another part of the mission, work with um, formerly incarcerated and give them an opportunity, not just at a job, but at ownership yeah. of casual cleaning. That's that's big. And it's, it's on that list. It's almost like a blacklist. And I, I might be saying it with a little bit of a pun, but it's like the things that they don't want black folks to be able to do, like ownership, having land, reading, voting, all of those different things. And I think when a, a business is taking something that they're growing and giving the opportunity for someone to come in that has had like a, maybe a bad hand dealt to them and be able to grow and be an owner. I remember, uh, like, I think I interviewed them maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, but Vinny from uh, Tahaka Brothers, they had just went into that kind of like situation where it's owned, it's, you know, it's owned by the, the, the people working there. That's big, mm-hmm. that's important. And the path to entrepreneurship isn't the easiest path. <laughs> so if, if you will, um, could you tell me about the response has been, because so correct me, well, let me know when, or tell us when 
the brick and mortar opened up in that Bromo Seltzer area. And what's been the response since being down in the brick and mortar? It's been fantastic. We opened late last August. The day that we opened, we were on the front page of the Baltimore Sun. Um, we had people coming down to Howard Street who hadn't been to Howard Street in years. Um, and and we are bringing them down. There were five Black-owned businesses that opened in, uh, on Howard Street, which is now affectionately termed Healthy Howard Row by, by your friend, uh, Dom from Vegan Juiceology. Um, and then we also have Couples Tea. Um, so those, those three businesses, I mean, we are really working hard to bring people to the block. Uh, and it's working. People are coming in droves and it's just revitalizing the block in a way that I don't think has happened in, in, in a decade or so. So it's been fantastic. We've had, we're having a great time. We're meeting all of, all these new people. We met a lot of people during the, um, when we were in farmer's markets, we met a lot of our customers. And then we pivoted, you know, that famous word pivot during the <laughs> pandemic to doing porch drops yeah. because our customers were like, where are you? I mean, we really need you. <laughs> I need my horchata <laughs> now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and so we said, okay, let's, let's figure this out. And we kind of pivoted to this porch drop service that was like crazy. Um, and so now opening the brick and mortar, it's been fantastic. People come to the shop. Parking is an issue. Mm-hmm. But if you can if you can uh, manage the parking, you're you're fine. But it's really fun. We we tr- tried to create and really right in that area. I think uh, someone told me the other day that there weren't a lot of people. I think maybe it was you. There weren't a lot of businesses uh, that were black owned on that street mm-hmm. in history. Black people used to be there shopping mm-hmm. other people's businesses, but they didn't own. Um, and so. We are very deliberate about the type of community we're trying to cultivate, but more importantly, the type of energy we're trying to have in our space. Um, we want it to be welcoming and beautiful because why not? We deserve beautiful things, right? We're not trying that. to create, you know, I'm not trying to create something that's like all white walls, hurry up, get your stuff, get out. You know, I'm not, I want you to come in. I want you to linger. I want you to talk. I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to share. I want to be able to share with you. It's beautiful. It's a yeah. beautiful space, and we we're really enjoying it. And it's um not far from the train and the light rail for those using public transportation. It goes right there. Get yourself some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's it's one of those things. Like as a person who wander is not the right word, but I think you'll get where I'm going with this. I'm a person who. I'm going to go through and check to see what's the new developments, what's over there. And, you know, seeing like those three couples, uh, your your biz and um, vegan juiceology, and then even um, messing a bottle in that area. And at the kind of top of this whole strip, you have like, you know, UB Blake's like art and cultural center. So it's feeling and even... um, uh, what is it? I mean, it's not, it's not healthy. Black Genius Art Show is there too. I, I just yes. met that brother the other day. And there's something else that's over there. So there are a lot of things that are moving in. Yeah, because even... And then uh, with the Boost program, I think that yeah. a couple of businesses are moving in, the, um, in that area. Yeah, and I think it's like taking advantage of this, like downtown has a lot of traffic that's there. So let's highlight some of our best and brightest and not necessarily these things that aren't healthy. Let's do, let's do something that that's different. Let's make something that works and give them prominent like real estate where people can see them and having potentially that new, um, 
Lexington market open up soon. It's going to be more and more foot traffic. So why not have the have these healthy like alternatives that are there and shouldn't really even be alternative healthy options that are there because sometimes the stuff in the market isn't great. I know the new stuff is right. going to be great, but some in the past it's like all right, I'm going to eat this cheesesteak, but still. Um, <laughs> 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 I should at least get like a juice or something to make myself feel better, right. like not a POS. Right. <laughs> so over the last five years or so, there have been some like more focused on like plant-based. People throw that out there and it feels like it's more of a marketing term for some folks than actual, you know, consuming real food. And in what ways, um, if you if you would like, in what ways has the landscape of the market for your product changed over the last five years? Like, do you feel that, you know, you have those, those farmers market folks and people who are aware of the brand. Um, but do you feel like, okay, you have a half and half in your hand. Oh, you're getting here now. You're a convert as well. So tell me about that. Like some of the people that are coming there now or who are doing some of the Porsche drops, has that like consumer changed over the last few years? I think people, meat eaters, you know, people who are non-vegans are coming in and trying it a lot more and loving it. And they're like, oh, my God, this is the best vegan ice cream that, that we've ever had. Um, I think people are hearing the term more often. They're hearing they don't really understand the difference between vegan and plant based necessarily. But um, they're hearing the term more often and they're more willing to try it. So when they try it, they're like, OK, this I can I can actually do this. Um, it doesn't taste like sawdust, which is what I thought it was going to taste like, or broccoli. I guess they think it's going to taste like broccoli or Brussels stuff. I don't know what they're actually doing. I'm like, how, how bad do you think this is? But anyway, when they try it, they're like, you love it. Um, I think that more and more businesses are offering vegan options. And so all the ice cream companies prior to us coming here, I think, I think there were really limited vegan ice cream options. But now there are a lot. Um, every dairy ice cream shop, shop or uh, company here in the Baltimore area now offers several uh, yeah. vegan options, not just one, right? Um, so I think it's becoming much more mainstream. So people are not afraid to try it. Uh, they're trying it not only, you know, people come over and they're like, I'm really trying to change my lifestyle. I'm trying to eat less dairy. I'm trying to eat less meat. Do you have any ideas? And I'm like, okay, here's some vegan options. And I also tell people, you know, it gives us an opportunity to interact with people and kind of exchange some plant-based education mm -hmm. in a really healthy way. Like, you know, you don't necessarily have to go with these fake things on the market that say plant-based. They may not, may not be necessary. You know, they may not actually be healthy for you. Um, or even the things on the market that say vegan may not be healthy for you. But here's some options. Here's some recipes. Here's some things that you could do. If you want to make cashew milk, you want to make almond milk, you, you want to eat cereal but you don't really like what's on the market, you're probably right because there's probably one half of an almond in that entire like half <laughs> gallon of almond milk, right? It's mostly thickeners and emulsifiers. and But I could teach you how to make almond milk that will knock your socks off. Yeah. And so that's what we do for our clients. That's that's great to hear. And as a person who just brought bought some uh, some cashew milk, I was it was a little mid. I, I, I may have to take you up on that. Uh, yeah, because I looked at it, I was like, "Is this what you really want to do, Rob? Is this the plan?" Because I don't know if it's sustainable. Because I'm a person that I love cashews. I love cashews. That is like my favorite nut. And if I want to be, if I want to feel like I'm smart, I might eat some wall some walnuts. You know. 
But they're usually in chocolate chip cookies. They're usually in chocolate chip cookies. That's a whole different topic. That's a whole different topic. I don't think that's right. Okay, that's cool. That works. No, well, it's dark, it's, it's dark chocolate. You know, endorphins make you feel good. Antioxidants. You know the words. Uh, so... Well, that being said, I want to hit you with my my last um, real question before I hit you with the rapid fire question. So, last real question um, from your vantage point, you know, business owner, what are three traits of a successful entrepreneur? And for you, what has been the hardest to to master? Okay, good question. I think for me uh, that the, the three traits of a successful entrepreneur are tenaciousness. Mm. You know, you got to have tenacity. Um, because there's going to be a lot of no's and you got to keep going. I think creativity. Mm. Um, I think you have to bring your, and for us, look for casual. It's like 100% our, our creativity. Uh, and it's so much fun, you know, to come up with new ideas for ice cream, things like that. And, you know, our ice cream is, uh, I, I know you're trying to wrap up, but our ice cream is globally inspired. So yes. creativity gives us an opportunity to take a love that we have, which is, global food you know food from all around the world and and take our our guests on a trip around the world with every spoonful right you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people haven't heard of horchata they have never seen they don't know what baklava is so it's beautiful education and you know it teaches people where things are from so and then the third thing what did i say i said um what did i say so far i said tenacity creativity and then i would say um I guess I would say uh, and passion, you know, you have to have passion for what you're doing. You have to be, uh, well, dead fast passion. You know, you got to be, um, you got to be out there every day and, and feel like this is something I could do for free type of thing, that type of passion. So that's what I think. And what would you say? Passionate, most- passionate, passionate is a trait. I'm sorry. Passion is not the thing. The trait is passionate. <laughs> so what, <laughs> what was, was hard most- for me to master? Yeah. Um, I guess the, um, sometimes the tenacity, you know, uh, I'm a tenacious person. I've been, I was a tenacious attorney. Um, oh, and I think resourceful, that's another one. But anyway, I was very tenacious, but I think the issue for me is that sometimes I want the next new adventure. And Mm -hmm. so my partner keeps me grounded. Like, no, we got to stick, you know, that's coming. We got to stick to it. And so we just balance each other because sometimes when I'm ready to be like, I can't do this anymore. He's like, nope, let's keep going. <laughs> and so he's out there sometimes at farmer's market, 27 degrees, raining, pleading. And I'm like, why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. He's like, it's, it's going to be good. And we make, and we're good. We're good that day, you know? So yeah. we have a, a beautiful balance. So that was the hardest one for me to master. Yeah, that's, Yeah. It's, it's good to have that balance. And um, yeah, like when I, this is pretty much a one man show here. So whenever I work with anyone, I know where I'm strong at and what I'm not as efficient in. And I'm a big picture thinker. And so oftentimes I might miss those smaller details. And I know when I get into those smaller details, it's procrastination that happens. It's like, oh, well, I got to do this. I got to be perfect here. So I think that balance is always working with people who love those smaller details, who love to get into the granularity of it all, while I can just be like, hey, man, does this work? Well, Rob, it doesn't work because you have to wear a suit or you have right. to, <laughs> you know, you have to breathe or something because I'm just like, go, go, right. go. All right. Mm. So thank you for that. Thank you for um, sharing sharing questions, sharing answers with us and just, just being great. Now, 
I got a, I got a few rapid fire questions for you. Don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. We always do it. We always overthink them. So here's the first one. Describe Baltimore in three words. They don't have to be a three word sentence. It could just be three words from your vantage point. Like, yeah. Creative black makers. That's, that's great. That's great. Okay. Here's the next one. Um, so I like quotes. I like when people have like things to say and it's like, okay, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to steal that. Like it was mine. It's like going to make myself sound more interesting. Um, is there a quote that you've heard like that, that really resonates with you when it comes to your work? Like, you know, never have a cold spoon or I don't, I don't know, like some quote <laughs> that resonates with you that, that you kind of look back at when you're like in a tough spot at work or when, you, when things are going well at work. Um, you know, I can't stand questions like this because I always sound like, I always forget they make, they so transformative, but then I forget them. And then people are like, they're a quote that guides you. And I'm like, I just want to remember it. But I guess one that, that really does guide me is despise not small beginnings. Um, I believe it's biblical. Um, and it's important for me because I am, usually ready for that big, you know, and why aren't we uh, global? <laughs> well, we just started a year ago. So, you know, right. despite that small beginning, take the small wins, appreciate the small wins, feel grateful for them. And then, you know, as the bigger thing, and then, you know, you can, you can recognize when the next thing comes, you know what I mean? You stay mm-hmm. present for that. So that for me is, is quite transformative and, and helpful in guiding me as a business owner. That's that's great. That's a that's a thing that people need to hear more of because like I'm I'm one that could be accused of it of like, yeah, man, got best of Baltimore. We did it. We made it, baby. And it's like, all right, enjoy that. But also, what is the next thing? Or I'm in the back right. of my head, like, yeah, and I need to be best in Maryland. It's like, all right, so right. <laughs> enjoy your thing for a moment. Jeez. Right, right, exactly. Um, I got I got a couple more for you, and, and they're gonna get more ridiculous, by the way. Um Okay. <laughs> What is a popular piece of entrepreneurial advice that you're like, nah, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't agree with that. That it's, that it's lonely. Mm. I, I don't find, I haven't found it lonely. So entrepreneurial is a lonely thing. Being an entrepreneur, I haven't found it like that. And as a matter of fact, it's the opposite. I've had so many people who are invested in us, who pour into us, who have helped us. I, the loneliness, I'm not exactly sure where that's coming from, but luckily I haven't. We haven't experienced it. Yeah. I mean, people, people talk about it all the time. Like, um, you know, I, I, I think here in Baltimore, we community is a big thing here because it is like a bunch of different neighborhoods, but I think ultimately all under that umbrella and it's small. So it, you, it, you can't really be lonely in that with the, with that sort of setup. It's like, Oh, I know you, right. I know what you make. Hey, right. like I run right. into people that I think don't like me because I, I will just see them randomly. And it's like, they're just so busy going to the next thing. And then we're right. in the same pockets and seeing each other all the time. And it's right. like, oh, I heard that you think I don't like you. I was like, oh, how'd you find that out? You know, because that's yeah. how small it is. <laughs> but you end up encountering the same people. And it really is this this kind of cool community setup within the arts community, within, you know, the small business, the entrepreneur community. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel lonely. Right. Not me. <laughs> Thankfully. You know, it's also a nice thing in Baltimore, this whole small Baltimore thing is just so beautiful to me mm-hmm. that you could literally, I have everywhere I go, and I, I'm not from here, so it's not like I know anybody, but everywhere I go, 
I see someone I know. And it's just so nice. You know, yeah. it's such a beautiful thing. So it never feels lonely to me. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's, it's a backfire. You might be going looking, you know, horrible. And, <laughs> and then, of course, you see someone, you know, like, oh, man. <laughs> I do one of these, like, ah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Because I'm, I'm, by the way, I, I, so I'm six four, and so oh, it's wow. hard. it's like oh that's that podcast got a big podcast. Just hard like, to miss you. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I'm just in a tuxedo, wear a fake mustache. It's it's great. <laughs> um, now this this is a ridiculous one. Um, what is the most common mispronunciation for the name of your business? Oh, could you, could you, <laughs> um, Kajow, Um We've heard it all. I mean, when I tell you we've heard it all, we're just like it's. I mean, like, uh-huh. <laughs> there have been some really funny ones. <laughs> like, um, I didn't, when we picked this name, we never thought it would be this difficult to pronounce, but it's a great uh, conversation opener, conversation starter about what it means, how to pronounce it, things like that. Because it sounds like cashew. <laughs> right. We're just, it's not that hard, but okay. <laughs> Kajo. We've heard Kajo, like, literally, we've heard all these names. Yeah, Kajal Creamery here. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> so, Dude, like, like Kachu was the one that I think was hilarious. So, Kachu's gro- globally inspired offerings are like a passport and a pint. You can use that. You should use that. Um, what is the um, most popular flavor? <laughs> oh, please, please credit me. I'm a marketing guy. Awesome. <laughs> so, 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 okay. so, what's the um, what's the most popular flavor? Because I see horchata, uh, baklava, and so many. And I know what both of those are, by the way. So, shout out. But yeah, what's the most popular flavor? What are people checking for? The most popular of our classic flavors would be the baklava and the blueberry cheesecake mm. and the sweet potato pie. Those three are really, really popular. The horchata is also super popular because it's just um, vanilla and cinnamon. It's like it's like a cinnabon. It's delicious. Yeah, and then we make specials all the time. So just whatever we feel like making, like we just came up with French poach pear, and so that was a hit. Bananas Foster, Banana Creme Brulee. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, a raspberry mescalita. Yeah, what? And they're 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 amazing. They're really Look, good. I mean, so I haven't good. I haven't been able to close my mouth the entire time, so you're, you're just playing games <laughs> over there. I, I appreciate it. Um, so so thank come you. Through. I I I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, so with that being said, um. I want to thank you for for coming on to this podcast and um, too, because, you know, they're shameless plugs. This podcast is always about shameless plugs. Um, tell the fine folks where to find you, Kaju, just anything that you want to share in these last moments here. The floor is is yours. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you, Rob. Well, this has been a blast. Thank you for having me Absolutely. on this uh, podcast. Congratulations on your win. Thank you. um, best of Baltimore. Uh, you can find us, you know, come through, come check, it, check us out. I know you're going to love it. Uh, you can find us at 411 North Howard Street in downtown Baltimore. And then you can find us on Instagram. Um, we're at Kazi Creamery. And that's pretty much it. So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank Nicole Foster from Kaju Creamery for coming on to the podcast. I'm Rob Lee saying there are businesses, Black-owned businesses, in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for them. Howdy, Rob Lee here, and I got a special message from the fine folks at Cashew Creamery. Our friends, you know, we just listened to the interview. Now, here's a little extra bonus for you. 
their one year anniversary being in the Bromo Seltzer Art District um, is going to be August 28th from 11 to 7. So pull up to 411 North Howard Street in Baltimore and try everything that they have to offer and help them celebrate one year in their brick and mortar, one year in the Bromo Seltzer Art District. And that is again from 11 to 7 for Caju Creamery, and that's 411 North Howard Street. Pull up and say hi to the fine folks.